You're listening to a sermon from St. John's Anglican in Cranbourne. To find out more about us, head to cranbourneanglican.org.au. Well, hello, church family. My name's Sam. Uh, I'm the senior minister here at St. John's in Christchurch. And I uh, hope you're going okay uh, after such an eventful week. One of the questions you might have been asking during this week is why? Why is the world like it is? Why are there so many horrible things happening in this world? Uh, Watching the six o'clock news can be a bit of an exercise in depression. Uh, Having our nose in the news feed fuels our anxieties. And it's a bit funny that we do it. Uh, As a society, we seem to have this need to depress ourselves for 30 minutes with all the bad news from around our city, around our country and around the world before we can happily go to bed. And that's particularly been the case lately, hasn't it? Earthquakes, uh, violence on the streets, curfews, lockdowns, and that's just Melbourne. In our country, bickering between governments, in our world, uh, the oppression of Uyghurs in China, uh, drug lords in South America... There's not a part of the world that you can look where you don't see things uh, going badly. We're in a position to know, better than other, any other point in history, that there is not one place in the world where people aren't either doing or thinking or saying bad things. The 6 o'clock news tells us every night that we live in a world where part of a humanity that is actually bent on evil. And we're so used to listening to the news, we're so inured to the torrent of bad news that we don't even notice what a striking thing this is. Why is it that there's such a universal experience of wrong? There's 195 different countries in this world. You would have thought that at least one of them would have got everything right. Why is the world like it is? And is there hope? Is there hope that it can change? Well, as we turn to our Bibles, to Romans uh, chapter 5, if you've got a Bible at home, it would be a good idea to open that up. Romans chapter 5. And our passage today, we discovered that the six o'clock news shouldn't be such news to us. That what it describes is what we should actually expect if we've understood what this passage is saying to us. Why is the world like it is? It's because we are in Adam. Verse 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man. See, Paul in his argument, he's taking us all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. God didn't make the world as we see it in the 6 o'clock news today or in your online news feed today. He made it perfect. He made humanity perfect. And so we're back in the Garden of Eden Eden, uh, there's Adam and there's Eve, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God said, don't eat of the fruit of that tree, but Adam ate and brought sin into the world by disobeying God. And Adam's sin actually has enormous consequences for all of us, all through the ages, 
in all of our lives. Because in that action, the Bible's saying, he not only brought sin into the world, but he made us sinners. Uh, You see that in verse 19 of our passage. By the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. That is, by Adam's sin, you were made a sinner before you were even born. Now, this presents enormous difficulties for us in our very individualistic 21st century Western world. Uh, How is it that what he does has implications for me? How is it that Adam's sin can make me a sinner? I'm the captain of my own ship. I decide uh, what I'm going to do. What he does is his business. What I do is mine. Actually, the passage says, Adam sinned. You're a sinner. That you, in some sense, participated in the sin of Adam. Adam acted as our representative, and so we sinned. Well, the AFL Grand Final was yesterday, and if you're a Melbourne supporter, I bet that at some time since the siren sounded, you have said, We won. Now, my guess is, if you're watching this, you, you probably weren't actually on the field uh, last night. That you weren't running around in the forward line and actually playing. But you say, we won. And it's right that you say it. There's a sense in which what they did represented you, so you, in a sense, participated in it. You can say, we won, uh, rather than just... They won. Well, Adam was our representative. Uh, Though we weren't there, we participated because he represented us. And, And this has implications for who we are and the shape of the entire world and why the world is like it is. Uh, Because it affects our nature as humans. Now, this is such a different way of thinking. Uh, I'm, I'm going to give you a few different pictures of, of how this works. So uh, imagine there's a farmer, and his farm's at the head of a stream. And that farmer decides that he's going to dispose of bags of chemical fertilisers, animal waste and other toxic products, into the stream. So the one farmer's act contaminates the entire river. And now there's dead fish all down the river. Well, Adam's at the head of the stream of humanity. He's contaminated the whole river of humanity. Or uh, say that Hannah and I decided that, well, we've had enough of lockdown Melbourne. Uh, We're going to migrate to the United Kingdom and we're going to settle there as a family. We we stay there, we, we never come back. Now, this would have a profound impact upon my children, my children's children and their children and so on. They're no longer going to be Australian, they're going to be English with all the dark winters and sporting failure that comes with that. Well, Adam migrated to sin and all his offspring 
are sinners. Or uh, think about an acorn. Uh, acorn is a very small thing. You plant it in the ground. But contained in the acorn is the, the whole oak tree and the way that it's going to grow and the way it's going to be. Well, uh, the whole of humanity lay in Adam and holds all that we were to be. And that means that from the moment we're born, we actually have a predisposition towards evil. So uh, this is the baby of a friend. He's about four weeks old. Isn't he absolutely beautiful? He's very cute, isn't he? He's a lovely little baby. He's also a sinful little baby, is what this passage is saying. He sinned in Adam, and so no one's going to need to teach him how to do the wrong things. That's something that he's going to work out all by himself because he's in Adam. And you know, that's actually the reason the world is like it is. That's the reason the 6 o'clock news is like it is, why your news feed is like it is. Because none of us needs to be taught how to do wrong. The experience of it is universal because humanity's nature is fallen. It's in Adam. And I don't have to look at the 6 o'clock news. I don't have to look at the news feed, the world out there to know this. I only have to look as far as my own heart. And I don't have to look too hard to see in it the darknesses that are made of the same stuff as our news. I wonder, can you relate to that? Do you battle with things in your heart? Do you, do you battle to do rightly? Do you do things and you think, oh, that's, well, it was a terrible thing to do. I don't even agree with what, happened, what I did. Are there things that you know are wrong and are destructive and yet there's something in your heart that wants to do it? Can you relate to that? Well, if you know your own heart, of course you can because you are an Adam. And we're all caught into his sin and we're all made sinners. And that has huge implications because the consequences are that all die. Therefore, just as sin came into the world, through one man, death came through sin. You know, uh, sin's actually not natural. But one of the reasons death pains us is, and, and that everything inside us screams against it is because it's not natural. According to scripture, no one actually dies from natural causes. We die because of sin and that is an utterly unnatural cause because it's utterly at odds with the nature with which we were originally created. We die because of Adam's sin. And all are judged and condemned. We see that in verses 16 and 18. And so sin and death rule, verses 17 and 21. You know, most of our world is absolutely terrified of death. 
I think a lot of the reaction to the pandemic has a, a large element of fear of death about it. Uh, and see, all these consequences are not just theoretically out there. This isn't just theology coming from the Bible, but it affects every single one of your days and every part of this world. And it's about you. You were born in the humanity of Adam. You were made a sinner. You are judged and condemned. You will die. I mean, the consequences could not be more far-reaching, could not be more comprehensive, could not be more appalling. Well, if you tuned in this morning for a happy, upbeat sermon, so far it hasn't really delivered, has it? We... We don't want things to be like this. How can we escape it? Well, some of the answers that the world comes up with, some of the answers that the church comes up with sometimes, uh, are things like moralism. So how, how do we get out of this? Well, the way to get out of it is actually just to uh, read our Bibles more and, and see what God wants for us. That's, that's not a bad thing to do. And then just try really, 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 really hard to do it. And, uh, and if, if people don't act morally, then we'll, we'll shame them and, and do all sorts of things like that. Uh, so really, the answer to things going wrong is to actually bring more law, more rules, uh, just to close up all, the, all our avenues of, of wrongness. Well, our passage says... That doesn't actually work. So verse 20. But law came in with the result that the trespass multiplied. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. And so the law is given, but sin increased. I don't know whether it was, it's just a function of my being a second born. Uh, but whenever my parents, when I was younger... Uh, would say something like, you know, my mother would say, uh, whatever you do, don't touch that vase. It's very precious. And I, wouldn't, I, I hadn't noticed the vase before she pointed it out and told me not to touch it. And I had no desire to touch it before that. But suddenly the law comes in and there's something in me that suddenly went, I wouldn't mind touching that vase. I, I think I should. Maybe it's just me, second-borns. I don't know. But our passage says, law comes in, what happens? The trespass multiplies. Well, maybe another answer to this is, is actually education. If only we educated everyone and everyone was as logical and as intelligent as, as, as me, then the world would be a much better place. But, of course, uh, education actually doesn't do the job. We're the most educated generation in history and the world doesn't seem to be getting any morally better than it ever has been. No, something much more radical has to happen. Something like what has happened to us in Adam has to happen. Our nature needs to be changed and renewed. Well, uh, if it's been a bit of a down of a sermon so far, 
There is hope. I'm glad you've held in here because our passage has immense hope for us. The world is not always going to be like it has been this week, like it has been over millennia. The world is already changing. There's hope. Verse 14 talks about Adam who was a type of the one who was to come, but there is another. And the thing that makes them similar is that they are both representatives Adam uh, represented us. He was the head of the family. Christ is the head of a new family. Only his action is the opposite of Adam, where Adam stretched out his hand to disobey God. Christ stepped out, stretched out his arms in obedience to God. As he died upon the cross. And this is the point of the passage. Paul paints the darkness of our world so darkly in Adam because he wants us to see all the more clearly and gloriously the wonderful light, the wonderful hope, the wonderful life that the gospel brings, the good news of Christ. The good news that one man has acted freely and given us grace. The perfect man who never sinned, dying on the cross and takes the condemnation and judgment, the fallenness and sin and reverses it. In Adam, all were made sinners. In Christ, all are made righteous freely by the grace of God. Verse 19, for just as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. So uh, just say, say that this is the big book of my sins. Actually, uh, it would just be volume one, I think, in, in reality. But let's just say this is the big book of my sins. Uh, But in Christ, because I've been made righteous, uh, you open up the pages and the book's actually blank. And even better than that, it has pages, it has paper that's unwritable on. You can try to, but it doesn't work. You are irreversibly righteous because Jesus Christ has lived a perfectly righteous life and you are in him. If you follow him. We're also all judged and condemned in Adam, but in Christ we are justified. Verses 16 and 18. And the free gift is not like the effect of the one man's sin. For the judgment following the one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brings our justification. And just as in Adam all die, in Christ we all have life. Verses 18 and 21. So instead of sin and death ruling, grace and life rule. And it's worth saying that this is actually an unequal match. Verses 15, 17 and 20, it talks about how the law comes in, sin increases... But what does it say? Grace abounds all the more. 
It's not like a spiritual yin and yang, good and bad and balanced and equally matched. The point of this passage is that Christ's act is abundantly greater and much more powerful and much more far-reaching than the act of Adam. The grace of Jesus Christ dwarfs all sin in the world. The grace of God overcomes and overwhelms my sin and your sin. There's nothing that you can do or be that cannot be overcome and overwhelmed and expunged in God's grace. There is more grace in God than there is sin in this world. And some of you, some of you are burdened by your sin. And Satan comes and he points out your sins and he tells you that there's actually no hope for you. You are not good enough. Or you're burdened by the darkness of the world. And Satan comes to you and says, there's no hope. There's no, no uh, dawn to come. It's not going to get better. How can you be a Christian, Satan says, if you struggle like you do? And our passage answers, yes. I am a sinner. But God's grace is greater than my sin. There is infinitely more grace in my God than there is sin in my heart. And you need to turn around and say that to yourself day after day. There is infinitely more grace in my God than there is sin in my heart. Brothers and sisters, there's oceans of God's grace. And there is nothing that can separate us from his love. If you are in Christ, as awful as Adam in you is, Christ has overcome. God's grace freely given has made you righteous and has given you life. And so there's actually a new nature. And because there's a new nature, there's a new world. A new humanity. And when the fullness of this nature is experienced and given, when Christ will come and his Rule will begin in all its glory and the family of Christ uh, may shine in all that is won for us. Then if there is anything, any such thing as the six o'clock news, it would show an utterly different world. It is a world that is coming and sure and certain. There is a hope that cannot be shaken no matter what happens right now. A world so washed in the oceans of God's grace that all the effects of the one man, Adam, have been washed away, swept away, and there stands a new humanity in the life that God gives. Why is the world like it is? It's because we're in Adam. But why can we be absolutely sure that the world will not stay as it is? Well, because Christ has acted. Hold on to that hope, brothers and sisters. Uh, Hold on to that hope. Look forward to the glorious day when you are perfectly who you're meant to be and this world is perfectly what it was created to be. Let's pray that God will hold us and keep us and strengthen us uh, as we await that wonderful day. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you that you have acted in this world. As we look around so often, it can be easy to feel overcome and overwhelmed. 
And yet, Lord, help us to see that your grace, your love will overwhelm all of that. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the hope that we have. And Father, uh, if any aren't yet in Christ who are listening, I pray that by your spirit you'll help them to make that transition to Team Jesus. Uh, Because there's hope and there's life in it. Heavenly Father, sustain and strengthen us in this time and hold us until that day when we will see a renewed world and live our true and renewed lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.